Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know what happened next. To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, listen! Hey, all you beautiful listeners, it's One Upsmanship. Mm. Michael Swaim here with... Adam Ganser here also. Also here, present, and our present for you, Lothus Holiday mm. Corridor is a Game of the Year episode. We're going to talk Game of the Year picks, our top fives for the year of our gaming lord, 2021. Is, <laughs> uh, this is a... We never did this conversation before. It's a real off-brand episode, uh, Adam. A little bit, yeah, but I kind of like that uh, because we're not exactly a review show. Uh, like we don't change. Like I, I don't think of our show as ever dictating what people should buy. I think of it more as like commemorating what mattered about the game. That's or not. I think forty seconds into the top of the show, at the end of the year, in our look back episode, is a great place to reflect upon what is the purpose of the show to you in your right. heart of hearts and. Uh, yeah, if you're just joining us for our game of the year, which I sometimes do, you know, if I'm getting to know a new set of reviewers or nominal reviewers, I will check out like year end lists are a good time for that, right? You can gauge how much Absolutely. you align with someone. And I found now after doing the show for a while with you that I get a few core things out of it. The ongoing thing yeah. is, as I think the objective that we started with is, is still in play, which is the really snooty idea of really academic with academic seriousness, tracking the dialectic between uh, gameplay, interactive storytelling and narrative itself, like in the medium of gaming major, you know, trying to highlight major, like, and minor, like nuanced turning points and pass along that road um, because we truly believe in gaming as a medium and interactive storytelling as a medium and that it's only on the rise and uh, I still think that's very much in play more than it is a review. Like we're definitely not the guys to go to if it's like, look, bottom line, should I spend my 70 bucks on this? That yeah, there's plenty right. of other people doing that. 
Um, right. We usually we, will we give you a vibe of, of what, you know, whether we think it's worth playing. But um, we hone in on games that we think are artistically important more than we do on just like reviewing every game that comes out and going pass or, you know, eight out of 10 or what have you. Um, but what else I've gotten out of it is starting to see by doing it over and over as you do with data points like patterns in gaming and larger right. themes yes. in gaming, not only the side that I just alluded to, but like the business side is interesting and the economic ecosystem and how, because gaming is also deeply rooted in tech in a way that like comic books isn't right. There are tech innovations in printing that do, but it's on a much different scale. Whereas like new technologies that didn't exist before breed inherently new types of gameplay which then are reflected in new types of narrative. It's a fucking rich ass medium because it's so interconnected and so collaborative and it encapsulates so many different types of media within it. And that's been really rewarding. And agreed. And then I also do think there's the cheap, like I've gotten, (laughs) I don't know why I would make our friendship the last cheapest thing, but I'm like, you know, that's side cheapest, the sideline (laughs) bullshit that no one cares about of like, Oh, I've gotten to know Adam's sensibility really well, and it's enriching to know about your good friend. Or, like, I think, hopefully, even though I said we didn't care about that, people probably have gotten a feel for, oh, I'm a Swamer, I'm a Ganser, and if Ganser likes it, I'll probably hate it or I'll probably love it, you know, and stuff like that. Sure. What do you think? I would invert invert those, uh, that ranking in importance, personally. Like, I... Yeah, I would. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the artist, the artistic conversation is the thing that brings us here. But the fun of it is uh, enjoying an ex- enjoying and comparing an experience with a friend who has, even if not a similar sensibility, a similar desire to appreciate what video games are and the experience of playing video games. So, like to me, the discovery of another person's point of view is the joy of it, even more than like the where does this rank. Uh, in terms of structure and like narrative, although I love that stuff, yeah, you know, so so that's my friend of the year conversation with Mike Swain. Uh, no, you know what I mean. Like I think all those things are equally important. That's what we're trying to do here, and uh, so this episode is unique in that we are not going to talk about one game. We're going to talk about sort of how we sum up what the best parts of gaming were this year vis a vis a list. Right. That's, that's right. the goal today. Um, so we're going to each present five games in, in uh, I guess, in ascending order. So, oh, how? Yeah, I guess you ascend to no, to first place. To number yeah, one. Sure. Yeah, your in favorite of the order. year. Yeah, and uh, I think what we'll do is just sort of briefly summarize each game, kind of when it came out and what people were saying about it, and then have like a little chat about that, and then move on to the next one, yeah, and what, we have ten. Why is it there on your list? What made it special right. to you? You know, why right. do you encourage people to play it? Unless you're, unless you discourage people to like, if you think only your top two were good and everything else in the year sucked ass, that's also a valid viewpoint. Oh, I'm so interested well, to find out. Me too. Are we allowed to disagree? Like, do you, do you want to do disagreements? This is why we have a list. I think something that was crucial yeah. about, yeah, we decided we would not, we are not a publication, we are not obliged to go. What is IGN's? Because believe me, I just had. Yeah, yeah, a, we're not gonna have the same list. I just yeah, had a we're long not have the set of list. meetings where we had to collectively determine, you know, what the brand is gonna position as game of the year. I believe we came down with uh, 
interesting data point for us to compare and contrast to. Forza Horizon, Forza Horizon Five, is IGN's Was the game, game of the, of the year? year? Yeah, that's correct. What? Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's I've played it. It is very good. It's very for good. A Neither game. of us will probably mention it because it's not artistically important per se. It's just a very pretty Other than looking, graphics. Yeah. Gra- it's you know, the graphics it's a state of the union of how good graphics can be. And Agreed. people were thirsty for something that felt next gen to the point that people Boy. are raving about the Matrix thing because it feels next gen at least. Anyway. Wow. Uh, so many conversations okay. well, we can have. Good thing this is an ongoing podcast. But let's pass the checkpoint. Yeah. And I can't I can't fucking believe that Forza is going to win. That's astounding. Uh fair enough. Bottom um, of our list number 5. So that's why we decided to yeah. compare alternate timelines. We will not settle on a shared number 1 unless no. we just so happen that we yeah, agree. Yeah, well. agree. I have I forgot yeah. I have to throw in some caveats to you Adam. This is not for the audience. Great. This is just for you. I just need you to know and I wanted this on mic. Like, don't question that these are my sincerely held beliefs. I'm not Dave Bell. I'm not trolling, You're not trolling you. Me. You're not trolling me. Okay. You're going to want to ask, are you fucking with me several times? No. Okay. No. This is what I think. I okay. thought about all it right. hard. All okay. right. All right. I like that. Well, I also feel like we're both going to think differently at the end of the podcast than we do right now, which is another thing I like mm-hmm. about it. So that's fine. Uh, okay. So do you want me to present... Well, okay, last thing. Let's do like a couple of honorable mentions, maybe at the end. Sure. You know, like things that didn't make the list, because I have a few of those. I was going to weave them in uh, casually in conversation throughout the journey. That's fine, too. Uh, that's okay, too. So then I'll just make start off with one of my seamless. biggest honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my biggest ones is Disco Elysium. Um, and the reason it's not included is because it's not... It was not originally released this year. It just was originally released on consoles I, this year. How dare you? <laughs> okay, this is to me. That's why I, I didn't, didn't realize it. how triggering this would be immediately. If okay. Disco Elysium, I assumed we were not talking co- any kind of portage. We're talking games that were first played by an audience in 2021, like they shipped in 2021. And I, I I'm glad to hear. I kid. I'm glad to hear it sounds like you came to the same conclusion. Yeah, because absolutely. I agree. Yeah. If Disco Elysium counted, it would have been my number one. But it is right, right, right. But that's not. But I, I didn't I, count. I, right. So that's why I mentioned it up top is so that like because I know we did a one upsmanship on it this year, mm-hmm. uh, and we both felt very strongly about it. I think it'd be weird if it didn't mention that up top. So that's what I'm doing. Um, okay. So you want me to do my number five? Please do. Okay. Lower my lines. number five. Um, and I thought very hard about this, Mm -hmm. um, is the forgotten city. Wow. Um, Yes. That's my number five. Now weird vibe we're getting from this already. (laughs) I, first of all, I think it says a lot that an indie game of this size Mm -hmm. made it onto any game of the year list for anybody. Right. Um, Even our humble podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Even our, right. Because it's like, it's not. It's like five guys, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's not a lot of people doing it, um, and it's also basically a Skyrim mod, which we talked about. So I don't want to rehash all of that, but I think that is a very impressive way to acknowledge what this game is. And for the medium of gaming, I actually think it's really important that a game like this did well because it shows that look, it's not just about money and and like delivering the super polished 
uh, super like accessible best version that you've experienced. It's not the Call of Duty release every year. That's not the thing that necessarily makes a game the best. Right. In this case, Forgotten City had a really strong idea and fun mechanics and a really, really good set of writing. Like they wrote out great pieces to it. Um, and I think there was a several really cool detective games this year. Um, I think for the detective aspect of it, this is my favorite of those. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Disco Elysium excluded. Uh, and uh, for all the reasons we talked about why we loved it on the one-upsmanship, I thought it deserved to be mentioned in the game of the year. That's my number five. Ooh, I was riveted, dude. Okay, so okay. we have a full episode on that, which we'll mention whenever that's the case. Definitely go check that episode out. That's with Zach Ryan. Great returning guest who I hope we'll have again yes. soon. Uh, Me too. I'm going to rattle off some honorable mentions since that's what I, th- I think it's more appropriate sure. in five. Yeah, you mentioned The Forgotten City. That was on my notepad, but didn't make it in the top five. Metroid mm. Dread is in that mm. realm for me because it's a perfectly exquisitely executed they're like, look, we know how to Metroid. Here's a Metroid. And you're like, you've done it again. Um, and we could do a whole, I would be down for Metroid Dread episode, but. Agreed. Um, we should do that. I do believe it was incremental improvements. Anyway, just when it boiled down to it, there are five games I like better. Uh, Halo Infinite is in that category for me. Yeah. And I me am too. excited to do a full episode about it. So I won't even say that much now because I think we should cover Agreed. it urgently. Um, Agreed. And then I also just wrote on my notepad Oddworld Soulstorm because that was probably the most disappointing game to me. And oh, yeah. it was so disappointing based on and I love that franchise so much that it made me go back and wonder, do I even like like Abe's Odyssey? And I was uh and that was a and it turns out I do, but it took a sort of sitting down with myself and recognizing the difference between stuff that's cool world building and stuff that's cheesy. And I just didn't like the puzzle design. I don't know. Oddworld Soulstorm, you stabbed me in the heart. And is, it, is, that mm-hmm. a, is that a nostalgic franchise for you? Yes, because I love okay. anything that presents a new and cohesive fantasy or sci-fi universe that I haven't seen before. That literally is new. That's basically all I require. I'm like, okay. haven't seen that before. Haven't felt that vibe before. Odd world, the world itself. I think mm. it's pretty good. Uh, did you ever play the, the Stranger's Wrath or like the extended universe stuff? I, I fooled around a little bit with Odd World. Mm-hmm. It's super, super, super not my vibe. Great. Uh, like it's just not my vibe. That's that's really it. So it wasn't a yeah. disappointment. To you. I'm saying it super is my vibe, and the game right. kind of bottomed out right. for me uh i don't know why i phrased it that way <laughs> other than we're at the bottom of the list and i also wanted to mention i should have mentioned this in the earlier chunk but death's door did death's door do anything for you i liked it a lot it is not on my list i considered it uh okay. so that would be one of my that would be one of my uh, uh so shout out death's door. but like so this is the year that i played all the dark souls games mm-hmm. Well, not all. I played many of the Dark Souls games. So I was less impressed with Death's Door because it was like, oh, it's Dark Souls. Like, you know what I mean? Um, like It's uh, Dark Souls plus Zelda. It's an isometric Zelda. Zelda-like sure. dungeon, top, you know, third person, top down, isometric, like yeah. hack and slash through your dungeons. And it's very pretty. Yeah. And there's it one is very pretty. or two particular boss battles that I think 
are mechanically thrilling. Like they just feel so tight, but that's why it gets I a shout the, out. I think the whole game is very, very good. Yeah. Uh, I, it just wasn't in that list for me. So yeah. All right. This What's is, your number five? I'm sorry. I'm ready. I dragged no, us no. down. It's at the risk of turning into just a list of titles. So my actual number five selection is another death game, Deathloop. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Number five. Deathloop's Death my Loop. number five. Yes. Really? Okay. Uh, please talk about it. Uh, it just comes down to, I think it was a very ultimately strong year for weird games. And I love weird games. And Deathloop is something of a refined weird. I very much like Arcane. Deathloop is by a studio yeah. called Arcane who did... Prey and Dishonored are what they're mainly known for. I think they have yeah. a third one that's slipping my Dishonored mind. Dishonored 2. Well, okay, I'm just thinking of Dishonored yeah. 2. But they do that. They present novel sci-fi slash fantasy worlds that haven't existed before that are unique to them, and I always appreciate that. They've done it again here, and they did it with Daring and Panache in the style of like Saul Bass, 70s uh, spy thriller uh, you know, action movie. And it's, it's also a time loop. So 
my think pieces this year, (laughs) I sort of have released five or six think pieces or like video essays this year, and they've sort of all revolved around the topic of a couple things, multiverses and time loops, which... So if I were still working at Cracked, this is the kind of shit I would be doing, and I'm blessed enough to get to still do it, and that's what I've been thinking about. Like that's the pop culture DNA thing that's happening right now in storytelling for me is everyone's obsessed with time loops and multiverses and death loops right in that niche. And I actually think it's a stellar standout in that niche. And you can watch those videos to find out everything I think about what's cool about that and what it says about where we are with art and where humans are. I don't have time to get into it all now, but Deathloop being on the list is sort of my shout out to that. I think the art style is phenomenal. I thought the gameplay was just as sharp as ever. It's sort of a refinement of what they do. They do sort of Bioshocky gun in one hand powers in the other hand, Um, but their own version of it. It's very solid. The writing's good. The both protagonists were voiced excellently Colt kicks ass, Juliana yeah. kicks ass, and my favorite thing about the game was that it, by the nature of the time loop mechanic slash puzzle, when you figure it out, the plot advances at the pace at which you figure it out. When you figure it out, it wraps up. Like, that's how it's built. And it's a game that, by definition, it was just such a breath of fresh air, and we're full of these open-world games where you're like, okay, I got spat out to the open world. I finished 23% of the map. Now I have, you know, which is good sometimes. If you want to chill out, you got to kill 80 more hours doing something you enjoy. You can hack and slash your way through a billion more outposts and turn the map blue or whatever. But in this game, it's not like that. It's a story right. when you, and it's right. a puzzle. When you solve the puzzle, the mystery reveals the solution and the game dissolves. And I really enjoyed that. I know people took issue at the ending, but I thought it basically ends in the only three ways time loop stories can end. So it was fine by me. I, I, I didn't realize the ending quote unquote sucked until... I realized that that was the consensus online, which, by the way, it was. But I, when I, I experienced the ending, yeah. I thought, yeah, that's about how time loop stories wrap up. I don't know what else you could really do. That's how Looper wraps up. That's how La Jete wraps up. Every time loop story, you know, it's some kind of causality paradox. The end. And, like, that makes sense to me. I will say my knock against it and the reason I think it's a little low on the list, I actually thought the puzzle design was more novel than it was brilliant or cohesive, especially when compared to something that really shines in that arena, like Breath of the Wild, like the actual physics puzzles, or Portal 2. Um, Right. For example, Alexi's, the actual final climactic battle of the game, most people I've talked to, and this was my experience as well, end up beating that by finding a nice vantage point and gunning people in the head over and over and over hundreds of times as they come up the staircase because otherwise it's just too annoying. It's too easy to get caught. There's too many people at the party. I thought that part, that part was hard. I, I I tried that version. I did not like that version of playing that, uh, checkpoint. Can I, can I just interject very briefly? I know that you have thoughts, please. So, well, I want to save some of them for two reasons. One of them is that we're going to do a one upsmanship very soon about death loop. Yes. That was my thoughts in a nutshell. Yeah. That's so that's planned. So I'm going to save a lot of my thoughts Mm. about death loop. It's like an advent calendar. If I can't. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't want people to feel like, wait, you're not going to do a one ups on death loop. We are, um, that is already planned. 
So well, then we can pass a checkpoint. But did you have anything you want to add before? That's my number, and um, that's my, my number my five. Only comment on number five, Death Loop, is I'm going to squint real hard at your remaining top four. Um, it's not, but it's, but it definitely isn't Portal Two, and it definitely isn't Red Dead Redemption Two. Or like you know some game or Breath of the Wild like those games that you brought up that are like oh yeah those are like timeless masterpieces I do not think Deathloop is a timeless masterpiece but I think it's pretty damn a great good. game this year pretty yeah, damn good agreed. yeah <laughs> you did it so, uh, Arcane you did you remain it. a good game maker yep yeah yeah and I, I have other questions about Arcane that I'm going to save for the one upsmanship sure. so um my number four passing a checkpoint uh, yes so we'll pass a checkpoint for each of them okay uh <laughs> my number four is uh, was Metroid Dread. Um, nice. And I'll tell you why. I Yes, Metroid Dread is not new. I mean, there were new things for Metroid in this, like the blocking, which was a little Dark Soulsy, and the sort of timed, uh, like, rushing around trying to avoid the death robot stuff, which was both hard mm. and fun. Yeah. Um, I, like, I thought that this game got a lot harder in a good way, and sometimes in a bad way. But I think it just sort of reminds you that, like, there are so many games trying to do Metroid. Like, so many games basically taking the formula that Metroid made famous. And this is not, like, a full-fledged, like, perfect Metroid, like, big-time release, like a Prime, for instance. Mm -hmm. This is just another Metroid that I think they kind of had in their back pocket, honestly. Um, And it's awesome. Like, it it was super fun. I beat it in, like, 12 hours. And mm-hmm. I think about it still. I still want to play it. Um, there wasn't a lot of story here. And uh, what little story there was was, frankly, a little silly. Uh, but I don't care. It was it was extremely fun. It, and uh, I'm glad this year I played some Dark Souls games before I played Metroid Dread. Because I would have been frustrated with it if I had not. Because mm-hmm. um, there's about three times where it's like, dude, you're going to die 15 times. And that's irritating. Um, and you're already used to that. Cycle. And I was used to that, yeah. right? So I could hang in there. I'll, you know, people on my stream could sense, oh, he's getting mad now, because <laughs> I was, you know, like, and that's a thing I mm-hmm. think that games can do. Um, I thought this was just purely excellent, uh, perfect two D Metroid. It felt like Super Metroid all over again, only you know a little slicker. Um, and Metroid still remains one of the best gaming formulas. Like, I don't, you know, there's only a few that I would list that I think are better. Yeah. So, yeah, this game was just a really strong entry. Yeah, great That's game. The, the, the only thing I think kept in honorable mentions for me was that I went on a Metroidvania run this year and replayed. Ah, interesting. Sundered, Blasphemous, Salt yeah. and Sanctuary, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and Hollow That's, Knight that, all in a row. Ori is awesome. And um, also uh, Sundered is awesome. It yeah. made my Metroid it made Metroid feel like I was like, yeah, I'm aware of these. Yeah, this feels like the last eight games I played, which makes it right. lose its luster. And it's not its fault that it's so seminal that every game wants to be it. You know what I mean? It's it's hard mm-hmm. to remember in your bones that it's the original, but a, a great Metroidvania. But also really still well. I think still still best. innovating slightly. Yeah. Yeah. Like 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 Not I hugely, like all those but slightly. <laughs> agreed. All those games you mentioned, I think this is objectively a better game than all those games. I agree in every case except I think Ori is Ori is very good. I agree. Ori is very good. Conversation as being equally good. 
Yeah, mostly because of the tone, which is a lot different and, uh, and I and think cool. And the actual room design, like, there's this is not an Ori cast, but okay, the, the addition of the drilling through sand thing that speeds you up and, like, shoots you, I just think some of the boards are designed so brilliantly in Ori. If you like okay. zoom out and look at it anyway, anyway, anyway. No, no, I can accept that. That's that. We'll talk about Ori. That's a game we've been we well, both if we been... do a dread episode. We'll have to talk about Ori for sure. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Your number four. My number four is the Artful Escape. Okay, I'm excited. <laughs> All right, is this you aware of this game? <laughs> I'm a little bit aware of it. I didn't play it. Okay, but I'm but I'm aware of it. It is on the series x so you can theoretically play it which obviously i recommend because it's my number four pick uh this game has sort of an advantage with me because it feels like it was made for me few things about me my i artistically a lot was expected from me by my family growing up because i showed artistic talent early on and because my uncle is a famous folk musician in the style of Bob Dylan. Not nearly as famous as Bob Dylan, but at one point he ran the largest folk record label in America and he also released his own material. He's discovered a few huge people like Anais Mitchell started on his label and stuff like that. And he's also a folk, you know, he releases his own albums and they're great. I, I, I just mean, even if he never blew up or became famous, they're great. Like they're artistically, objectively ambitious pieces of work that I as a child thought about and compared myself to and for a long time wanted to be a folk musician because of that that eventually somehow transferred into being a comic book artist and then that became being a writer generally writer actor I don't know why some of those things changed and this is not a memoir podcast but another thing about me is that my second great love was then pulp sci-fi short stories like the works of Isaac Asimov, Harlan Ellison, people like this. And I grew up in a small mountain town and I would go to the bookstore and buy out every pulp shitty like 50s, 60s, 70s sci-fi collection of short stories they had and read them all. All right. So anyway, The Artful Escape is about a young man's artistic journey to escape the shadow of his uncle, who is a folk singer in the style of Bob Dylan. And he's obsessed with going to the local bookstore and disappearing into collections of sci-fi short stories. And I don't know how, if they're spying on me or what's going on, but it is expertly written. It's got Carl Weathers in it, so so you know you got a stew going. Um, it <laughs> also features Jason Schwartzman, Mark Strong, a lot of people I really like. And yeah. it's basically about a mashup of folk and cosmic sci-fi. I just can't. It's so up my alley. It's it like coerced me into making it on my list. The gameplay is exceedingly simple to the point that I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it hacked my list because you will play it and No, no, at- I've seen it. I've seen it. It's like single button actions, right? It's a, it's almost like it's mm. almost like a quick time experience, right? The gameplay that... is essentially just that game Simon, where you're just memorizing and right. repeating sequences of button presses. Right. But right. the whole time, you are getting some of the sharpest, most clever writing that came out this year. Oh, and it's accompanied by 
the best sound design hands down of anything this year. It, the focus is on not just music and original music, including wailing awesome fucking rock, like sci-fi opera, space opera, rock and roll, but also original folk music that fucking slaps. And I say this as a connoisseur of like authentic feeling singer songwritery folk music. Um, mm-hmm. The title track, The Rivers, The Banks of the Rivers Are Lined with Gold, is great. It's a great, legitimately good folk song. And uh, the art, if you like this style of art, is meticulously detailed and done with so much love. And rep, you know the visuals you're seeing represent things that are dear to my heart. So I, I'm going to rattle off now some quotes from the game that I th- thought enough of to write down for the purposes of this section now. Okay. We, mankind, are just 64 miles away from the infinite. Beyond a thin film of atmosphere lies an unbounded universe beyond comprehension. (laughs) That's so cool. (laughs) Um, A lot of the lines in it intentionally, I think, are written like song lyrics. Like, I feel like a shadow darting around the surface of the sun. You are an outcast, an unwelcome one? No, but I want to be. Uh, what do you fear? To live quietly, then fade away. You feel compelled to live a life of special significance. Don't we all feel that way? Ambition is a complex creature. Um, an artist's the- job isn't to give them what they want, but something they didn't imagine yet. Nothing's true about me. I'm a kaleidoscope. I mean, just good writing. Just good so, writing. All so briefly, mm-hmm. so I'm looking at the Metacritic for it, uh, yeah. which, by the way, it scored pretty high. Uh, I did. So pe- I don't people, consult other reviews. Usually. I know. I know you don't, <laughs> but I do. Uh, yeah. And but especially for stuff I haven't heard of or like don't know that much about. I just don't want to cause any trouble, kid. That's the worst thing about you. Good line. Wait, wait. <laughs> Good line. <laughs> Let me finish my thought. So the thought being that uh, the highest score on M- on Metacritic uh, is from NME, which is a music, basically a music uh, magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like a bunch of like music magazines that checked in on this game. The sound design uh, is legitimately mind blowing and an accomplishment yeah. in the, in the realm of video games. Like one review said that this game, like that they are hoping the makers of this game decide to get involved in music videos. Yeah. That uh, would be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean like that tells me that they don't know how music videos work because there's not enough money to justify not a lot that. Of crossover there. Yeah. But uh, so I, I think that sort of also underlines the credibility of this game that like people from sort of different walks of, or generally speaking, have more of a slant toward other mediums got interested in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of cool. I would say, uh, anyway, I'm just, I'm adding to that because like, you know, I didn't play this game, so I don't have a lot of comments about it other than. I always think it's cool when a game sort of finds a niche other audience that's not your standard gamers mm-hmm. or your standard indie gamers even, and those people get in- excited about it, and that's what happened here, so that's kind of cool. All right, two lines about the nature of art that I think <laughs> it's important for us to hear because we both want to be filmmakers, and it's not worked out for us so far. Well, it hasn't worked out like. to, our, to our degree. Yeah, to our satisfaction. You. Right. Your art is strong. But if placed in the wrong vessel, it may be skewed. I like that. Oh. And artists view themselves as a lonely ocean, but the opposite is true. Great artists surround themselves with a menagerie. Take care in your creative entourage, as if setting a precious stone in platinum. I mean, I like the poetry of it. 
It Me seems too. like it'd be cool. Me too. I'll give it a shot. I mean, I'll play it. I, uh, it's but, on the themes of uh, trying to achieve the creative end that you want and expect for yourself as an artist. It's literally about like what we, our main thing that we're going through in our middle life. So I just think you'd really get a lot out of it. Yeah. I mean, I like, th- I like this game for one other reason so mm-hmm. far. And that is like, it shows us that even though I think we all kind of pretend to a measure of objectivity when we talk about an experience and why it matters or whatever. No, this like is we're my all doing that. top five. Yeah. It's right, not right. It's specific but to it, me. Well, not only that, but like ultimately a subjective experience uh, is just as important as meeting objective criteria. Like both of those things are equally important for how you judge whether a game or a movie or anything is good. You know, like both yeah. of the, there's, there's, there's both criteria. Like I, this is a thing I've often said to film students, which is like, you know, I'll, I'll ask them sort of like, you know, is there such a thing as an objectively good or bad movie? And they'll be like, no, of course not. Everything's subjective. And then I'll say, then why are you in film school? Yeah. You know? Uh, so like, we all um, understand. They quit. We all understand. And then they all and quit I film keep school. The money. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? No, no but refunds, you, I mean, bitch. we all know that both things exist. And I think this is kind of a good example of both things existing. Once someone knows the road they're on, they cannot help but imagine where it leads. I know I can't. Um, yeah, and in a nutshell, if this will convince some listeners to play it, which I think it might, this game gave me everything I wanted from the games Oxenfree and After Party, but I didn't feel those games actually gave me. And those were games that were also critically lauded and are right up my alley, but just didn't do it for me in the end. And this did it, and another one that did it that's in this genre, if you can call it that, because it's a vibe genre, is Kentucky Route Zero. Do you ever play that? No, I did not. That's the point-and-click adventure where no matter what you choose, you're always right. The reality just changes to comport to... So it's more like you're creating your own journey than you are solving puzzles. It's very weird. And uh, But that was from a couple years ago. So anyway, The Artful Escape, my number four. Well let's, done. Let's pass a little chickety check. Yep. And move into number three territory. What, what do you got for me? Okay. Or should I? Or should I go first? I was should thinking we, we should start. Some of this? We should start snake. Yeah, we should do the snake version. So you should we do start three serpent- and- serpentine. Yeah, yeah. Serpentine. Yes. All right. That's great. So my number three, uh, probably the most predictable on this list, Psychonauts two, and we just covered Interesting. this. We Interesting. just covered this with Vanessa Gretton and I. Or I'm sorry, Guerrero, and I would guess it's her game of the year. I can't speak for her. Uh- but I would sure, expect. It sure sounded like that. Yeah. Uh, and now, and for much the same reasons as I just slobbered all over the Artful Escape, which was that a bunch of the themes and even the details of the plot lined up with her life perfectly. And uh, that's not the case for me, but Psychonauts is one of my favorite games of all time, as longtime listeners will know. And Psychonauts 2 is like, as we discuss at length in, I think, just last episode. So go give it a listen. It's a very worthy successor, and Adam would argue even better put together than the first one. And Titan, I agree, it's more elegant in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, so Psychonauts two rips. I don't know what I could say that would just be redundant. And you should just if listen you, to the Psychonauts two episode. If you, yeah, you should. If you had never played Psychonauts, 
uh, and you played Psychonauts and then Psychonauts Oh, would it be two? higher or lower? Yeah, yeah. That's my question to you. If I never play Psychonauts 1 and Psychonauts 2 just came out this year. So you're like, I'm going to play them both, having no like previous emotional experience to them? Like, Oh, uh, <laughs> I think the pair, I think it probably would have been my number one, yeah, because I would be like, yeah. this is standing in for the whole experience. Like, if you... right. If you counted Psychonauts as a cohesive story arc, I it's still my favorite thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it would be Fantastic. number one. So that, okay. that would take it from three to one, but it didn't happen that way. So but that's, it's three. that's how it happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I just, you know, I just like to know, like, yeah, I like to try to figure out where the objectivity is with this, yeah. and that makes sense. Um, so I should go. So my number three now. Uh, my number three is, is a game that me. will. Definitely not be on Mike's top five. Uh, what oh, if I said? Let me what guess. If I, okay, go ahead. Returnal. It is. It is. <laughs> it I knew is. it. I knew it was going to make your list, and I knew I wouldn't want it to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Three. so Returnal. We Glad did a one-upsmanship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think it was the best game this year. I mean, objectively. But I really, really liked it. I would say I probably had the most fun with it this year out of all the games uh, mm-hmm. that we that I played. Um, and the only reason it's number three is because all the flaws that are objectively true about it are still objectively true about it. Like, I think the fact that it's a roguelike that was not designed to have short runs mm-hmm. is a problem. Um, and it was a, a fundamental design flaw. Uh, I don't think it's like advancing graphics or anything. Um, I think it's sort of a middle ground to a lot of different things, but I really like the sort of updated, uh, the updated sci-fi horror vibe of it. Uh, I thought it felt a lot more like, like it felt kind of a fresh sci-fi horror experience to me, um, Mm -hmm. in a way that I really like. I'm not a big roguelike guy, um... I did like Hades. I like this game better than Hades, which I said on One Upsmanship. Um, did you and play I just Boyfriend wanted... Dungeon yet? Boyfriend Dungeon? No, I've I've heard about it. I have not okay. played it yet. Boyfriend Dungeon? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'll check that out. I'm I'm in for a funny version of a roguelite for sure. Um, I don't like and I but like video game horror is probably my favorite way to experience horror now because I've seen enough horror movies that they don't always work anymore. Um, But video game horror does work because you're always playing it. And I think that just the level of immersion helps. So, you know, um, for everything else I loved about it, I'll just say uh, go check out that one upsmanship. Other than like, look, how many exclusive games were released this year? Like 10 or 15, maybe like big time exclusives. This is also what I love doing about this list is it would, you know, a lot of people were calling it a drought year for gaming. Yeah, and I it see isn't, why. It isn't, it isn't. Yeah. It isn't, it isn't. I don't know. We still get a lot of good-ass media. We got some great games this year, and I like that they're weird, like you said. This is a weird mm. year for gaming. Like, the, yes. like we didn't get a Horizon Zero Dawn kind of game. Or God or of even War a, Ragnarok. Yeah, or we didn't a, get yeah. that. Or we didn't get a. We didn't get even Final Fantasy or we something that's like... We got a Call of Duty, but they never don't. We always get those. <laughs> they, Call of Duty needs to, like... Really, like, if it wants to be in a game of year conversation, it needs to take a few years off and like do something new. Right. Um, that's that's my opinion. Uh, not because it's bad, it's just because you know they're not interested in innovating, they're Madden, they're doing Madden football. Um, so anyway, so that's it. Number three, Returnal. And you think, um, 
it what do you think it added to the artistic dialogue dialogue like um, for I think just it's a triple a roguelike experience as a that's thing that's we can part do? of it it's yeah. bringing it's bringing roguelite, roguelite into like hey this is a mainstream genre not just for like yeah. you know indie gamers um it took uh it's taking a game company that has sort of only made small time games and giving them a real chance which i personally you know feel strongly about i think that's always a good thing to reward people who are doing creative stuff um and i just think it's a really fun experience like it's got a little dark souls with the dash the dash uh escape stuff mm-hmm. um you know it's just got a sprinkle of things that are really good in a fresh package overall um, and I think the weird David Lynchy story that doesn't totally wrap up is cool. It's acceptable. It's yeah, it's, a, it's acceptable. Yeah. It's not like it, it doesn't let you down the way most video game stories do. It's not a letdown. Everyone's taking their time loop swing, dude. That's two time well, loops. On this, this was a list. cool one. No, this that's was a cool three, one. Cause you said forgotten city. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's, it's just notable yeah. to me how many now there's that new multiverse thing. You and me and everyone we know are, whatever everything that ever happened all at once yeah i mean everywhere as a story template i'm already exhausted by it although i think there's a few good entries into it uh but yeah some of them are good i liked i liked returnal so let's pass another checkpoint and i'll tell you what my number two is Um, but before i do that uh let me give an honorable mention my honorable mention here is ratchet and clank drift apart um, I thought I I liked I liked it. No, I think Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart was great. Fun. Yeah, it was really fun. It's really well put together. I thought it was a it was a blast to play. It was a little tamer than it needed to be. It should have been a little wilder, I think. Um, but you know, for like a that's your classic three act, you know, uh, movie, and it looked like a Pixar film. You know, like it was really really good. I'm mentioning it here because my number two is Psychonauts two. Um, and I think Psychonauts <sighs> 2 fully displaces Ratchet and Clank from this list because uh, it's also essentially an epic story that's basically like a live action cartoon with a small big headed thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. There's a yeah, there's a cartoonish vibe, vibe to it. That it's funnier not, for sure, but it is funnier. It's more creative by yeah. ten miles. Uh, right. Ratchet and Clank felt very like studio produced, and mm-hmm. Psychonauts 2 doesn't. Um, yeah, I just think Psychonauts 2, even though it's an f- inferior game mechanic game, um, this to me is my way of nodding at the importance and power of story. Uh, I think Psychonauts 2, frankly, had the best story this year, um, even with its p- problems. Uh, I, I can't think of a game that had a stronger emotional or story experience this year, um, and that is, was told in such a creative a vibrant way. Um, again, as I said in the one-upsmanship episode, I think Psychonauts 2 is a transitional form. Like, I don't think we're going to remember it in the long term. Um, I think some people are going to take the skills and and ideas in Psychonauts 2 and do <laughs> the Ratchet and Clank version of it, which is mm-hmm. to get a ton of money and, like, really, you know, make everything sing. And we're going to say, that's one of the best games ever made. And the truth is that Psychonauts 2 is kind of uh, a very important a stepping stone to that that I don't want to forget because I liked it. Also, I don't care that much about Psychonauts one. Um, I know you do, so I've I've been gentle about that. Uh, but Psychonauts two for me uh, justifies the franchise. 
Like but I think, it, oh, this is a this is a great video game franchise because it of warms my cockles that it made both of our lists. I'm I'm very happy about it, that. So it, but that's strong like, marks for Psychonauts too. It deserves Good it. showing. Yeah, it deserves it. You know, uh, yeah. Like I'm not doing anybody any favors. I think it really deserved it. So. Also, the way we're serpentining, the final reveal of the entire podcast will be your number one. Mm-hmm. And I don't do this to quibble over status, but I do think it will be more exciting if we go the other way. Will that? Would that <laughs> bug you? No, because I can't. That would be me picking three picks in a row. So no. Okay. It would, yes. Yes, only it will because, bug me. Only for a reason that will make itself clear as soon as I reveal my number two, which I will okay. do now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone fucking play Inscription! <laughs> I-N-S-C-R-Y-P-T-I-O-N You yeah. and Inscription, man. You and Dave and Inscription. Inscription. So everyone, everyone needs to know about this. Like, when Mike is the one who came up with this idea for this episode, and I was like... Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this if you're going to make me talk forever about Inscription because it's a mm-hmm. game I haven't played and I'm not going to I'm not going to do that and he was like he talked me into it <laughs> so go ahead man do your Inscription I was, I bit. was worried that or I thought you'd assume it's my number one and so I think I, there's some I tension built that. there right Great. so what's going to be my number one man it's I'm a big mystery right I'm curious anyway I have an uh, idea but I'm curious Inscription was the most powerful gameplay as we've as we've established on this show, Swaim as a character is slightly narrative over gameplay. If you have to put a gun to the head of one of those elements, yeah. So my number one is going to be a narrative a narrative choice. But Inscription is by far the most engaging slash addictive, I guess, uh, gameplay experience I had in 2021. Came out of nowhere, which of course helps it. It's like. When I saw Unbreakable and didn't know shit that it was about comic books and was like, oh, man, I'm so in. Uh, This was an experience like that for me where I just heard several people say Inscription's really good. And I rarely game on PC because I, I just like the quality of life of the con the dedicated console experience um but of course i can game on pc and i have steam um so i dusted off my pc and was like i'll try out enough people said no it's worth it it's only on pc it's only on steam but go play inscription i was like i'll try this weird thing knowing nothing about it and you look at the look at the screen caps and it's a card game it's a card game game which are popular now griftlands was this year too and uh, a monster train and fucking, you know, darkest dungeon games like this. And I am sick of those. <laughs> mm. So I really didn't. I was like, I guess I, I'm desperate. I want to play something tonight. Inscription seems short, punchy. It's getting good reviews. I don't know how to describe it other than it's a quirky, funny horror card game slash escape room kaleidoscopic found footage journey through through innovations in game design like this game literally does things that redefine the context of what you thought a game could do in the way that for me arrested development would structurally create joke paradigms in my brain that i went yes i don't think anyone ever made that 
not kind of made that before. joke, but I don't yeah. think anyone's ever made that kind of joke before on television. Oh my God. Like if you, because I know spoiler alert, like comedy can be boiled down into formulae and people who work in comedy end up talking that to death. So we did that at cracked and arrested development tickles comedy writers for that reason. It, it was a breeding ground for joke types that were not ripoffs of everything you see on all other sitcoms all the time. This is that to gaming. <laughs> it's every, you, you cannot un- overestimate how much it's not just a simple card game. And yet the card game within it is perfectly good and great to the point that I was deeply addicted to the card game element, but much more than that, I was addicted to the reinventing the wheel as if on a whim magic tricks that they were pulling out to be like, Oh, there's four narrative threads. You didn't even think this game was going to go there, but zoom out and now it's this type of game and like it's not about what you thought it was about it's about this in this very complex way uh i can't it's a it's a mystery box that you don't want to spoil so i'm that's why i'm not getting more specific but play inscription it's like nothing you've ever experienced especially if you want to experience someone just in a playground playing with what can game design be and uh for so it's the narrative actually to me is fine. It's almost like Returnal, where in the end it was a bunch of big offers and images, and it's arguable whether they connect into something coherent. But you get it. It's a twist in this shape, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't matter. What matters were the magic tricks you pulled along the way, and they're all on the plane of what can interactive storytelling be. And and that's okay. all I'll say about inscription. That's fun. I yeah. mean, I'll play it. Uh, I'm just gonna say, I, my eyebrows are raised at the at the hyperbole that has surrounded Inscription for uh, for the last like two months. And you hearing this from other people? Well, that's the thing is I'm hearing it from you and from Dave. And like I I tend to think like sometimes our like our immediate cracked family gets a yeah. little latched on to like specific things that are not that are that are that are more appealing to their specific palette and not to a broader audience well rest of development tanks or you know, if you follow right. me right it right. is right. dry right. and arch it is f- it's if you're interested in the structures of game design you'll go ah that's very clever what they did there you know what i mean yeah that's, sure that's what it is yeah that's fine yeah. I, I i you know meta commentary is a thing i enjoy from time it's to time it's very meta so yes. i'm i'm happy to give it a shot i'm happy to give it a shot um, okay, so two. then you want me Ooh, to do my I'm number spent. one. <laughs> you want, well, let's, let's, let's pass the checkpoint, right? Let's pass the checkpoint just to rest for a second. But sure. um, I do think I, if that's okay, if I can take the prerogative. Yeah, sure, only sure, because sure. It's okay. I'm uh, frankly be... worried about my number one, and I think I'm worried okay. that you'll just stop recording and start. No, I'm not going to stop recording. But if I don't know. If, <laughs> if it's Kiwi, I'm going to lose my mind. Uh, oh, what a, that was a big letdown, too. I, yeah, I was actually yeah, yeah, really yeah, yeah. hyped for Kiwi. Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, there's... Okay, so before I give my number one, let me just give a couple of, a, a couple of final uh, honorable mentions. Um, it Takes Two. Got to be takes honorable two. mention in there. Yes, that's an honorable yeah. mention. Uh, I, was, I thought very seriously about putting Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury in this list because Too Bowser's long, Fury... Bowser's mm-hmm. Fury, just that section, yeah. is incredible. 
Like it's really, I've, really it's good. It's a great level, I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's sort of like it's it's sort of like what if you made the land like the overland in Mario mm-hmm. games from like Super Mario Three or World made that the only thing. So like all the levels are part of the overland, you know, and yeah. it's like and it's awesome. It's so awesome. Uh, it, we're very clearly gonna get a new innovation in a mar like a three D Mario that's gonna be that, and it's gonna be really really cool. Um, so that game is the one that'll be game of the year whenever that comes out. Um, that was an honorable mention. Uh, I'm I'm giving this an honorable mention because it was in a lot of game of the year lists, and I'm very surprised by that. Uh, and that is Resident Evil Village. I don't know why that's in so many game of the year lists. I really liked it, but I didn't think it was a great game. Like I thought it was very silly, uh, but I, I did enjoy. Feel it. negligent for not giving it an honorable mention. It was fun as hell. It mm-hmm. deserves an honorable mention. Yeah, because yes, very fun. It was fine, but it's it was very silly. <laughs> um, and my final honorable mention that I just think deserves some acknowledgement for, like, because I understand that I represent a probably a more like uh, mainstream opinion on games. I, I understand that. Uh, especially in this franchise, which is... I mean, ha- if your number one's Halo Infinite, then yeah. It's not. No, that was actually... Thank you. That was my <laughs> game of... That was my uh, final on- honorable mention. Halo Infinite. Um, we're going to do a one-upsmanship on it. I'll just say that grappling hook finally uh, finally made the promise of being Master Chief a reality. It clicked um, for me, too. That grappling hook sure is fun, isn't that, it? <laughs> that, that grappling hook... I'm serious. I'm, like, I know everything. this sounds hyperbolic, the grappling hook made like finally you actually you actually are playing the master chief at the level that the master chief operates in like the cutscenes and stuff. Like he's that much better to play because of that one thing. The only thing better would be is if they added Titanfall two style wall running. Everywhere yeah, wall running. Right. It's yeah. like, and then at a certain point, it's like, well, he's not really the same character anymore. And I get that. This Spider Man guns. Yeah. Well, you know, this was like sort of a great happy medium that I thought completely revolutionized playing as Master Chief, and that's a really important moment in games because Master Chief is very yeah. significant. So that's my honorable mention. My uh, probably surprising no one. My number one game was Deathloop. That's uh, why I wanted to do it yeah, that yeah, way because yeah. I'm like I think yeah, savvy listeners will know that Adam's going Deathloop. Great. Deathloop. Deathloop is uh, really good. Um, it's my favorite arcane game so far, um, and I've played them all. Uh, that's my favorite one. It's got a great style. I like the detective piece of it, although I don't love the detective piece of it. Like I like it, but don't love it. Um, I just think as an overall experience, this is a creative, well-funded, interesting idea that only this studio could pull off. It was super fun to play. Um, they understand that in that they made a good first person shooter, which matters because a lot of times first person shooter as an approach is the wrong approach for a mm-hmm. game. In this game, it's really it matters because it makes everything that you do uh, more direct and meaningful. Um, and also because like the the fact that you're just blasting these people to pieces and knowing they're just going to be resuscitated the next day is yeah. the ultimate first person shooter experience. And <laughs> like, that that's is like, the theme of the yeah. story. Yeah. yeah. So like this is one is of those times meaningful if it's infinite. Right. This is one of those times where the fact that it's a first person shooter is smart and fun. 
um, and it delivers on what a first-person shooter should be. That's why it's so cool that it's actually kind of a detective game more than it's a shooter. Um, so it's a great game. I'm going to talk at length about it uh, on the one-upsmanship that we do. Um, I didn't think this was the strongest year in games. I did like weird games, but I did not think it was... There was no Witcher 3 this year, or, you know, there was no, like, game that I think uh, is a top right, 100 like I game. I still think God of War Ragnarok would probably beat Deathloop, but I, it didn't I come ass- out this year. <laughs> I assume, I, I assume yeah. that... I'm not a big God of War guy, but I assume that, like, Horizon you, Forbidden whatever West... whatever is that for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. like or, Breath of the Wild 2 didn't yes. come out this year, so... Lord yeah. knows that better be as good as Deathloop because, you know, the hype around that game. So that was my number one. Um, if you haven't played it, uh, if any of you haven't played it, it's awesome. Give it a shot. It's one of the, it's, it's one of the most creative games I've played in the last five or six years. Um, and it's like you will have go- a good time. You will definitely have a good time. So that's it I- for me. It rips. It feels. It feels like watching a grindhouse movie. Like it, if plays like the genre it purports to be in, it yes. is that engaging, and it rips through you. And you're like, "Damn, that was brisk. That was a fucking ride." Yeah. Uh, I concur. It's a great game. I want to pick your brain about specific avenues and aspects, but I guess we'll wait for the episode. So I think we should, right? Like yeah. I think that's. I think we should this time. Just Plus, in this I'm instance. recording on this on the 26th, which for my family is our Christmas day. Right, 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 right. Uh, everyone just arrived. So I you don't want to hear them hugging and <laughs> loving enjoying each, each other. other's company <laughs> yeah. just through the door. And you know what? That tells you how great this fucking game is. I would much rather sit here for another hour wow. and sip my coffee and talk to you about how great this game is. And here's some clues. My number one pick only takes about two hours to play. Is it unpacking? You could, you could play it while we sit here. Uh, no. Or overboard. But it. I will also, you compared Ratchet and Clank to a Pixar movie. I immediately compared the experience of this game to a Pixar movie to my partner as soon as I experienced okay. it. And uh, what else can I say without giving it away? The The themes are... Some of the most fundamental themes you can have with a work of art, and I think that there it's the themes are basic, the basics, man. It's like death versus love, the inevitability of loss, coping with loss, and the power of storytelling, and whether whether things we think matter or whether only what happens matters. You know, uh, I mean, it, it sounds like I didn't is there play this anything game. beyond what there is? And there's two lines that I wrote down from it. One is if about, uh, on the theme of the power of storytelling, one is if the unspeakable darkness I'm carrying can be so well expressed, maybe it isn't so unspeakable. Fucking that's why we write. That's why we tell stories. So good. And then I just think so brave right after that, a character that you've invested a lot of faith in throughout the course of the game immediately says grand words and stories, though. I think they may be overrated. And the game is before your eyes. Before, before your eyes. Your eyes. I didn't remember I've my never caveats, even heard of this. Adam. <laughs> never even heard yeah, of it. I fully expected you to go. I don't know what the fuck that is. What are you doing? Um, I mean, yeah, you know. that's right, Adam. I'm blowing up the show with a game you haven't even heard of as my game of the year, and I don't just do that for effect or drama. It's but you, but most... you do do it for effect and drop a little bit. <laughs> it's well, so I contour the show to heighten the effect. Yeah. Um, but I sat there long and hard thinking, 
because I am a dra- I'm a bitch for drama, dude. And I was like, am I just trying to build an arc with my list by making this number one? But no, no, it's thought about this long and hard. This is the game of the year. This is the most important artistic accomplishment this year. And this is a game for people who haven't heard of it that you control by blinking. Uh, and it's not a novelty. It is a novelty, but it's a novelty that is woven into the theme itself because the theme, as you can expect, but but man, they don't just take the low-hanging fruit. It, they go so deep into it, but it's like that as you blink, things go away, and as much as you want to stay in the good moments, you can't not blink eventually, and when you blink time passes and you lose that moment and that is both the nature of the gameplay it literally points a camera at you and when you blink it changes things on screen and uh it's also the theme of the game the struggle of the game i don't want to give away too much but the game eventually for most people who experience it and this is why i compare it to a pixar movie it is designed in such a way, and this is just like comedy. It's mathematical. If you're a good writer, you can do this, and they do it. It's designed in such a way that like most people will cry by by the act three. You know what I mean? Like it's a tearjerker story. But why that's brilliant is they play with it so thoroughly. As you cry, you want to blink. It's instinctual to have to blink when you cry. But the moment that is making you cry, you want to stay in. And it's designed that way. So you're fighting back tears as you are forced by the nature of the device. The the way you're interacting with it is blinking. So it will say, now keep your eyes open or you won't get to hear all of this cutscene, for example. And it's like, but I'm crying. But I really want to hold my eyes open because I don't want to miss this. I want this information. So I'm staring as hard as I can at the game. It's like forcing you to be present while you're imbibing a piece of art about what it means to be present and whether it's more important to be present or to have the story. Is it more important to have the story in your head or to experience the thing itself? And the value of story in our lives and how stories can take us outside of our body and beyond the limitations of things like addiction and illness. And it's just fucking dude. So It's like, it's one of the best movies I've essentially seen this year. And it's a movie that is interactive and the method by which you interact with it is drenched with meaning as well. And it's fucking rips and it's called Before Your Eyes. So And and everyone should play it. Here's a quote from the game designer about Mm -hmm. what the game is about. We've always known what we want the game to say. We want it to be a game about enjoying the moment. We want it to be a game about learning to accept and not trying to fight against the flow of time. This is a game that is almost humbling yourself to the fact that time is going to push forward no matter what. So that's, by the way, from IGN. Uh, And it does things like devastate you emotionally and then turn the act of blinking. Like, there's a moment that makes you basically ugly cry, or it did for me, and you you give up and you start blinking a lot because you're crying. You're, like, wiping your eyes and blinking. And in that moment, the fact that you're blinking a lot does something else that I'm not going to spoil that suddenly incentivizes blinking for the first time in the game. It's good to blink or you're getting a reward. Something good is happening. The more you blink and that thing is symbolic of there will be people here after you, after you die, there was life will still go on and nature will be here after humanity. Uh, and you're like, it like they know exactly what they're doing. It shows such control over what they're discussing 
that it rises to the level of like a Coen Brothers movie to me, where it's like, damn, they know what they're doing. They're controlling my mind so well. And they're making me think about things that I truly appreciate being forced to meditate on. It was a beautiful, beautiful experience. That sounds awesome. Uh, the 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 for, the core mechanic is very unusual, and I think it sounds really cool. Uh, mm. Which, just to repeat it, because I'm not sure it was totally clear, uh, you only play this game with blinking. So you have to have a webcam, and the webcam basically, like uh, every time you blink, it advances the narrative. So that sounds really cool. Uh, I just my only caveat to this is there's more to it than that. Then there's more than there's slightly more to it. The gameplay is actually skinned several. There's things like it almost becomes a guided meditation. Like for example, I will spoil this because it just shows off the gameplay innovation. You are a little kid outside your parents' bedroom door, and they don't know you're still awake, and they're talking in hushed whispers about you, and you cannot make out what they're saying. And through trial and error, you slowly realize you got to close your eyes and keep them closed, and then their voices become legible. If you open your eyes, you can't tell what they're saying anymore. And so it's like, forcing you to they're like focus on sound now and then of course the next thing that's meaningful happens on the plane of sound so it's just like very masterfully put together (laughs) very well done i mean okay so i so that sounds awesome i can't comment on this game because i literally hadn't heard of it 10 minutes ago uh but i uh, based on everything you said the only thing that i am suspicious of is Mm -hmm. it that i worry not worry. I wonder if you're having a more profound experience of it because you're thoughtful than like uh, than like an average gamer is going to have. Like, I wonder if this is a Death Stranding situation where like it appeals to like a very like maybe ten percent of the people that play it are going to really like it, and then everyone else is going to be like, "This is a little bit of a gimmick." And I say that I, because I'm looking at yeah. I'm looking at other people's feedback, and it's varied on this game. It's not a clear winner. Like it's, it's definitely not a Death Stranding because Death Stranding has a bunch of extraneous dots and dots that I would have to connect for Hideo. Or maybe he meant this. That's interesting. You know. Yeah. Okay. This doesn't have that. It's very streamlined okay. and like s- stuff is clearly intentional, or I wouldn't be lauding it so much. Okay. Uh, the one thing I'll say is, this is why I say I'm a narrative over gameplay guy. This does have innovative gameplay, but limited gameplay because it's blinking driven. So I am, you know, my number two was inscription. If you want real gameplay, that's like strategy and challenge. Look at, look there. This is more of a narrative experience. Um, I do find that the gameplay that it technically speaking has gameplay. For example, it has story branches, you know, like fallout. There are decisions you make by either blinking to the left or Or, to the middle or to the right that affect the whole course of the story. To me, that qualifies as gameplay. You move your body and it causes, you know, you're making choices that affect the outcome. Sure. Um, But it doesn't have gameplay like you never slash a sword to deal 20 damage to someone. But Telltale games don't have... I mean, I have no problem calling this a game. Like, I'm not disputing that. Uh, I'm not disputing anything. I'm just saying that, like... You know, I don't need to say anymore. Uh, I'll I'll try it. I'll try this game out. Uh, I did not shut I down think, the podcast as a result of you 
whipping out an indie from nowhere that I've never heard of, but uh, my eyebrow you is You could raised. easily have a chip on your... Sh- I'll just say this. I watched... I experienced this uh, on a very busy day, and pets and family members were bugging me, and I had to pause it a bunch and sure. get up and sit down. Yeah. It only takes two hours, and I still got deeply emotionally invested by the end because of recognizable techniques they deployed, storytelling techniques that I went... I, I, you know, I was experiencing the emotion they wanted me to. And in my head, I was thinking, ah, that's really clever how they can't handle that story element. That's very smart. Like the screenwriter in me appreciated. Like they know. So I think it's very good. This, uh, this is a PC game. I agree game with you. Also, that you could, e- you could easily sit down with a chip on your shoulder, just like watching an indie movie and not want to think deeply about it and finish it and go, it didn't make me cry. I don't know what he was talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you don't have to get. It's like you could watch a Pixar movie and not think it was well anything. Yeah, but just to be clear, that's <laughs> if a... you give it your attention, I believe it will reward you. Okay. All right. Uh, but if yeah, okay, I'm gonna leave it at that. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances and the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Uh, it's a PC game, by the way, for those of you who are, uh, need a webcam. Well, it works on Mac as well, but yeah, it's a computer game. Right. Which, so next time we do a game of the year conversation, either we're going to have to agree that I have a PC that I could play the games 
or we're going to have to <laughs> talk about My parameters. top two are PC only, right, which I'm is like, a well, problem. I, yeah, I don't have a PC. I haven't played any of those games. I didn't know if we, you know, and that was the reason I was scared to ask you, because I thought I'd ask, are we doing PC? And if you said no, because I want our pool to match, then... You would have I'd maybe like, not done this These are list. my favorite games. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, okay. They but really I, are. Well, and I also don't want the audience to not get access to PC games just because I don't have a PC. Uh, a thing that I will eventually rectify. Uh, in the next year, uh, that's some cool. I think this is an appropriate time not to spill all the beans, but wait, wait, to say if, that if you're going to do that, uh, I'm probably not doing as much as you think I'm doing. Okay, go ahead. I wasn't going to do go anything ahead. major. I was just going to say that we're looking at codifying the keeper delete system a little more. Yes, and absolutely. That like in the new year, there's a few things we want to do. My point is, like, we're doing things to grow this show. We care about this show. We're really appreciative that you continue to listen to it. 100%. And we're, we might be doing more off-format stuff like this, like Game of the Year discussions or answering, re, you know, urgent gaming questions. And uh, there was one other little tidbit that I was like... And changing formats slightly for the standard one-upsmanship episodes... Uh, oh, getting you a PC. I just wanted to circle oh, yeah, back that, and be like, yeah. I think that's another goal, legitimate goal for the next year. Yeah, is get Adam a PC and make PC gaming more of a yeah thing we can talk about. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair that we can tell him like you should expect one upsmanship to uh, continue to grow and improve next year because uh, yeah. we're dedicated to that. Uh, yeah, that's going to happen for sure. Uh, Maybe a new theme song. Yeah, new theme song. Uh, All right, that's as far as I'll go. Yeah, we don't want to say more. <laughs> we don't want to say more yet, but you'll be hearing more soon. Yeah. Um, cool. So that's that. It was a great year for games in the sense that there was a lot of cool stuff that you and I connected over and got to talk about and enjoyed mm-hmm. playing. So that part was a really cool. That's a cool thing about 2021 that I'll always remember. You know, getting to play all these games. Uh, yeah. So if you. You know, you spend like 600 bucks on the one-upsmanship 2021 Criterion Collection. It would be Deathloop, Psychonauts 2, yeah. Returnal, yeah. Metroid Dread, Forgotten City, yep. Before Your Eyes, Inscription, and The Artful Escape. Not a bad collection, 2021. No, that's a, no those are really good games. Very solid. Uh, yeah. Those are really good games. I wished Halo would have been good enough to justify being on this list. Yeah. I still think Breath of the Wild 2 would beat all of these things. Oh, yeah. But it didn't come I, out this year. I think Horizon Zero Dawn would beat all those things. There's certain things that yeah. would beat all of this for me, but. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, there's been a Call of Duty or two for me that would beat all these games. Not this year's. Okay, I won't go that far, but that's why I'm the motherfucker oh, who picked modern, Inscription. So. The, the first Modern Warfare game, which we're going to cover at some point, which is Call of Duty mm-hmm. 4, is. You think would have been game of the year that year? It's a definite contender. That was a tough year, though. That was the same year as Bioshock and uh, Super Mario Galaxy. So those are like three incredible games, you know? A Shawshank Redemption game and a Forrest Gump game. That's what I (laughs) want. Is that what you want? Yeah, you want an indie game that's just like play your drama? (laughs) Like just play out the dramas? I See, I kind of miss Telltale games. I wish that they would find a new way to do those again. Um, yeah, they just re-released the Sam and Max Telltale. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, they're all pretty good. God, that's you, neat. I mean, that's just for me and a couple other guys you, <laughs> my you, age. That's true. I mean, but Telltale, <laughs> the formula, and also I think just that company was really good at 
Um, the Fables one was great. Wolf in the Fables, Hood yeah, or whatever. Yes, the Wolf yeah. Among Us. That Wolf is Among my, Us. I make my favorite one. Another one that we should cover on One Upsmanship. Uh, I loved. Mm-hmm. I loved that game. Um, I'm playing through the final season of Walking Dead right now because I actually care about <sighs> that, those that characters. That first season. That first season's perfect. Yes, it yeah. is. All the seasons have been pretty good, though. All the seasons are very good. Yeah, but that first season that ends with. Clam on our own is yeah. just yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Well, buddy, I love you. Uh happy new year to you and to the audience. And uh yeah. get ready Merry for Christmas, more. Happy New Year, happy Hanukkah, all the holidays. Yes, absolutely. And get ready Whatever for you celebrate. Happy winter time. Well, yeah. Just happy winter. And get ready for the new, the improved, the 2022. That's right. Year three of the five-year pandemic. I called it here. <laughs> wow. Five years. That's what we're looking at. God, I hope that's not true. I believe it will be, but that's just, <laughs> that's just my gut. That's just where I'm calling it. Where do you call it at? Uh, well, Fis- six months? F- Pfizer, said, uh, Pfizer said that they expected endemic in 2024. So that's Expected it to become endemic? In and just 2024. Like, that's what they said. Yeah. So, and if Pfizer's saying that, I mean, maybe Pfizer gets money for saying, right. I don't know, but so maybe 23, 22 and 23, we still have a weird hybrid game of the year conversation, but yeah. it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting when we have whatever year, all the delayed games come out in a rush. That's and we're next like, year. Damn, this year was huge. That's next year. Well, that's what we say now, unless shit sure. gets delayed further. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. But just, know. just to put on the palette, like the things that number mm-hmm. one, we're going to play, but also we're going to cover on one upsmanship. We'll be covering Elden Ring, and we'll be covering mm. uh, Horizon Forbidden Tasty. West and mm-hmm. God Tasty. of War Ragnarok. Tasty. And uh, we'll definitely be covering Rages? Starfield. We'll definitely play and cover Starfield if that actually comes out. Uh, and then just a host of other games, like Breath of the Wild 2, if that still comes out, we'll be covering that. Right, right. So it's a big year. Get ready. It's a big year. Strap up. No one I'd rather be talking it all through with than you my friend agreed and likewise love you, love you too see you all next year that's 2021 work complete bring a little optimism into your life with the bright side a new kind of daily podcast from hello sunshine hosted by me danielle robay and me simone voice every weekday we're bringing you conversations about culture the latest trends inspiration and so much more i am so excited about this podcast the bright side you guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives shine a light on a little advice that they want to share listen to the bright side on america's number one podcast network iheart open your free iheart app and search the bright side imagine you ask two people the same seven questions i'm mini driver and this was the idea i set out to explore in my podcast mini questions this year we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions including courtney cox rob delaney liz fair and many many more join me on season three of mini questions on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts seven questions limitless answers Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know what happened next. To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.